We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Twenty minutes a day. 65 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What is up, Green Bay Packers fans? Welcome back to another edition of the Pack a Day Podcast. I am your host, Jacob Morley, and I am joined today by the one and only Trey Watson Sr., uh, Jacob Westendorf, not with us this evening. Um, but we are going to jump right back in. If you remember last week, we talked about blue chippers um, for this Packers team, uh, a little bit of an exercise that we're stealing from Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks as they have gone through um, this with their teams and just kind of a refresher for, for this. Uh, we went with blue chipper, meaning boom, you're one of the best five to eight in the league at the moment. Uh, and then our second category was building block. And we kind of went into different different types of building blocks. We we talked about some guys that we think are building blocks that could potentially be blue chippers in the very near future. Um, then we talked about backups, you know, guys that you're comfortable with as a backup on your team. And then we talked about essentially, do you want to, like replaceable? W- would they be a starter on the team that you would want to replace, or even a backup that you want to replace? Um, but before we jump into that. I buried the lead a little bit. Trey, how you doing, man? We are uh, combine week is upon us. Pre-draft preparation is upon us. Um, something that I know you are familiar with, having gone through this slug of a off-season deal. <laughs> um, and I guess it is it is kind of dawning on me, right? Not dawning on me, but I do want. I, I didn't talk to you about this, but I do want to get your take on this because um, one. You know, as the combine is approaching, you know, guys get invited to it, guys don't get invited to it, all that stuff. But now you have a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr., who for the 
first time that, I mean, a lot of guys skip the workouts and say like, nah, I'm good. Marvin Harrison Jr. is just skipping it in general. Just like, nah, I'm not going. Like, take me or don't take me. I'm awesome. You know, uh, I guess I, I kind of want to get, you know, like what, how do you feel about that? Like, are you, are you the type of guy that's like, yeah, like if you're a top five pick, don't go. Or are you the type of guy that's like, man, every, every opportunity is an opportunity to compete. Every opportunity is a chance for you to show that you're the best of the best. Um, what is, what is your take kind of on balancing those two things between like, man, not worth it or man, like go ball out. So here's the thing, and <clears throat> excuse my voice, it's terrible. But especially when you're a guy like Marvin, who is, you know, basically a guaranteed top three pick, arguably in a lot of people's eyes, he could be the number one prospect, period. Um, there is there is no real gain, right? Like, okay, if he was so astronomically amazing at the combine that he went from two to someone would really pick him at one, which isn't happening. That's not how it works. Then what he made a little bit more in signing bonus in his first, in his first rookie contract, that versus the risk of injury, disappointing in a realm of testing, having a bad day, running routes, dropping more passes for whatever reason, being tired because the combine process has you up from 5 a.m. to like, 11, 12 p.m. at night for four or five days in a row as if they think you're a robot, not a human being. So he's basically challenging the whole system of what the combine is, right? It's been created partly because of the presentation value of it for the NFL in the offseason because that's mostly what it is now is a spectacle. The only people who I feel like truly should always go test no matter where their draft stock is, is guys who know that their film, they might have flashed, they might have done a couple good things, but their testing is outstanding. You know those guys. Now, also, we know those guys tend to be the ones who boost their stock so much, get drafted way higher than anyone ever thought they would, and then eight out of ten of them are out of the league in three years. I mean, you're talking about Obi Melifonwu. Good dude, looked like the king of the world at the combine, did things people have never done at a ridiculous size. It made everyone ignore the fact that he played at UConn and wasn't a dominant force at a very poor team in a very poor conference. And then his game didn't translate to the NFL whatsoever. There's many, many cases just like that with those situations. So he won, right, at the end of the day, he made a ton of money that, if, there, if it wasn't for the combine, he would have never had the opportunity to make. So if you're that guy, always do it. If you were me and I had the gall that Marvin Harrison does, which I didn't even get him right into the combine, so we're talking pro day. If I said, hey, I have all-American film. I led the conference in all these different categories. If you think that I'm a good football player, like I put on tape and that it translates to the NFL, take me then I would have eliminated the risk for any one aspect of the combine or pro day experience to detract from that at all. So when you think about it, like, why not? It's a hard thing to do because nobody's really done it before. 
and the only people who you ever you've ever heard of doing anything remotely like that were considered top five locks. So it's a unique perspective to see. I'm, I'm honestly glad he did it. Like he has nothing to gain, absolutely nothing. Those right. teams are gonna and- those teams those teams are gonna talk to him anyway. They're gonna bring him into their building anyway, and. If they're outside of the top three picks at this point, unless they were talking about trading up to get him, they're wasting their time and his time. So, like, it's all around it. It's a win-win for him at the very least. Um, And something you might see more guys do moving forward. I almost wonder, and Trey, you're more familiar with this than anyone, like, on draft day. Like, you, you peel back the curtain. And I think what a lot of fans don't understand is how much these players are talking to the teams and how much and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, either directly or through their agents. And I almost wonder if Marvin Harrison Jr. has like a guarantee, not, not a guarantee necessarily, but like Arizona's picking at four Arizona probably has a pretty good idea already. Who's going one, two and three. Cause mm-hmm. these teams just, they just do. And, Chances are it's going to be quarterback one, two, three. And Arizona could have already reached out to him and be like, hey, man, we're, we're taking you. We're taking, we're taking you at mm-hmm. four. So don't worry about doing any of this stuff. You know, we're, we we love you. We're taking you at four. Don't care if you run a four, three, eight or a four, four, two. Doesn't matter to us. We've seen the tape. We're taking you at four. You know, like that, that crossed my mind. Um, and I don't think that, and I think a lot of people would be surprised how not uncommon that is. Uh, for teams to to already know, you know, a lot of this stuff that's drawn out, a lot of these mock drafts, a lot of this content that's put out, uh, these guys, you know, the Daniel Jeremiah's of the world, the Dane Bruglers of the world, they're pacing themselves. They've got to get content out for the next month and a half. But a mm-hmm. lot of these guys, you know, that are plugged in, and a lot of these teams, they already know. They 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 have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen on April 28th or whatever it is. So I always think that's interesting. Uh, the other thing that uh, blew my mind, the first time I was ever in Indianapolis in a, in a media capacity, talking to other people that are smarter than me, more way more plugged in than I am. Free agency starts this week. And I know it, do, it doesn't start this week. It starts this week. Mm-hmm. And there are there are agents everywhere in Indianapolis. There are personnel everywhere in Indianapolis. They talk. Um, I remember, and I, and I won't say what it is because I don't know. It's probably long enough ago I wouldn't get in trouble. But I remember sitting down uh, with some people, and they're like, hey, player X is going to sign with Team X. It's already done. And I'm like, what? Free agency is like a month away. Sure enough, day, like day one of free agency, boom, that deal was announced. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay. And like part of it too is the human side of it, right? Trey, like you're looking at these guys and for, you know, people on the outside looking in like, oh, they're going to go play here and there. But you don't think about um, where do do these guys want to play? Who's there? What are their relationships with the teams? Do they have a relationship with the team? Like they're they're feeling all this stuff out right now. What city do you want to live in? Like if you're lucky enough to get to free agency and have, you know, multiple suitors, like these are all the human side of it that goes beyond just like, hey, you know, who's going to be the highest bidder, which is something too. But uh, I think a lot of these guys, especially the guys that do it the right way and they're looking at, okay, what's, you know, what's the best fit for me financially? What's the be- best fit for me, you know, schematically? What's the best fit for my family as far as the community that I'm about to, you know, 
be a part of for the next however many years. Um, so that stuff is always wild and interesting to me. Um, but we've talked for 10 minutes. I introduced what we're going to talk about. Then we completely <laughs> talked about something else. <laughs> Love it. This is a great, great radio. So anyways, back to our blue chip series. Uh, you know, last week we talked about the offense and I think the guys that a lot of people wanted to talk to us about, or I saw, I had a few people in my DMS just saying like, you know, I can't, I, I can't believe you didn't say Jordan loves a blue chip player. And I think you just got to go listen to the podcast. I think all of us said like, yeah, this time next year, very well could be a blue chip player. Um, probably will be. And I think we all are hoping he will be, but the one guy we picked on offense was Aaron Jones right now. I think you could easily make a case that he's one of the five to eight best running backs in the national football league right now. Um, I don't think you can make a case for anyone else on this offense. Maybe Zach Tom. We talked about Zach Tom potentially at right tackle. Um, we talked about, you know, gosh, pretty much all, you know, well, we kind of had a little bit of a debate about the receivers. Mm-hmm. I think all of us agreed that Christian is probably by far and away the guy that we could see ascending into that blue chip. Uh, Jacob said like all of them could. And I think uh, I was like, ah, I don't know about that. I hope so. But um, that'd be tough. But so for the defensive side of the ball today, we're going to get into it. And I, honestly, I think there's more arguments to be made, which is weird to say this Trey, because how much better the offense was than the defense last year. I think from individual, individual talent, the defense probably has more guys that have reached their, maybe that's the best way to put it. Guys that have already reached their potential and kind of are mm-hmm. what they are. Yeah, um, for sure. And so I think you look at this defensive side of the ball and um, you know, Jacob, his, when he said he couldn't join us today, he said, the only take I have is Jair Alexander is a blue chip player. So let's start there with the secondary. And I think with Jair, there's so many questions that come with it. Like when he's right, when he's healthy and when he's right, is he a top eight corner in this league? I think so. But here's the question. When's the last time he's done that for an extended period of time? 2020, 2021. I know he was like a second team all pro in 2022, but I think, you know, I think that was just kind of his, because his name's Jair Alexander. So uh, let's start with the secondary and let's start with, Jair, I would, I still would say, I still think I am with Dorf when I would say, yes, he, he is a blue chip player because we've seen what he can do when he is at his best. And honestly, if we're going to give, if we're going to call Aaron Jones a blue chip player, then I think we have to call Jair one too, because Aaron Jones has also dealt with injuries and stuff in the past um, and kind of put that moniker on it, like when he's healthy. So Trey, what what do you think about Jair? And as far as you know, is he a blue chipper or is he a building block type guy? So here's the funny thing about what Dorf said is he also said Jair is the only blue chip yep. player on defense. So that's a whole other layer of it that I don't agree with him. And we'll get to that part. But my thing with Jair is right now everything about him. Yeah, he's a blue chip player. But I would say three out of the seven days of the week, he's a blue chip player. Like that's that's what it feels like. Um, when you're a blue chip corner in particular, you have to be elite. You don't have games where you get toasted. That doesn't associate with lockdown corner, which is what you have to be to be a blue chip corner. Um, you don't have stretches where – Guys go for 100-plus yards on you 
you don't get your hands on a single ball. You don't intercept any passes. And that's like, that's the thing. Like any other year, what what I say without a doubt, he has been probably since he entered the league. Yes. Um, I think in 20, was it? Yeah, 2022 last season or two seasons ago now, his play tapered off a little bit, like you said, and maybe he was riding partially on the name. And then this year, it was just you didn't know what you were going to get game in, game out. Um, So it's like, you know, gun to my head, you say, hey, you got to put him in one box or the other. Yeah, blue chip is the the best pick for him and what he has been. Um, Because prior to – Lately, his consistency of elite play was there, but it just hasn't been, and there's no guarantee that it comes back moving forward. Um, so that's where, you know, there's a discussion to be had. Um, you know, you, you, can't, you can't be the top-paid guy in, in your league or in, the, in your position in the whole NFL and have, what, like one interception, you know what I'm saying, get a game like that first Vikings game. I mean, it felt like every it felt like they were going right at wherever he lined up. And you can't name anybody who's ever been considered the corner, a top three corner in any given year, where you're like, yeah, we're gonna go right at that guy. It just doesn't happen. Um, so you know, it, it's interesting to say the least. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And I think it's interesting too, because you mentioned like moving forward. I think up until this point, like you're, you're confident and you're happy with what you've gotten out of Jair. But like, I think there's reasonable doubt moving forward about this guy. Like, is he going to stay healthy? Is what, who are you getting on a, on a, on a week to week basis? One thing I will say about Jair, and this goes back to all the, all the way back to his Louisville days is the guy shows up in huge moments. Like I do appreciate that about him. Like some of the biggest games of his career have been big games. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's good. 
And, you know, sometimes guys go through these lows in their career. I mean, like, I don't want to compare Jair to Charles Woodson, but that's kind of the, the end of Charles Woodson's time in Oakland when he was a Raider was kind of the same, marred with injury, kind of inconsistent play, got a change in scenery in Green Bay and kind of revitalized his career. Now, hopefully for Jair, the change in scenery is Jeff Halfley, right, mm-hmm. the new D.C., and and we can kind of see a similar resurgence from him. Um, is there anyone else in this secondary, I guess, that you would look at and say either a building block or a blue chip? I know there's not any blue chips, but like as far as secondary pieces right now, who are, who are the building blocks in this secondary for you, Trey? Secondary-wise, it's tough. Um, and it's also tough because the the next guy that I'd say would be the my bet for a building block for the future isn't under contract. And that's that's savage under this new defense in a role that suits him. Um and I'm the I'm I'm gonna be a guy who's gonna hold Savage more accountable than anyone because I've seen him play at a level that very few people can ever play at his position. The dude is insanely gifted. Um, but he's been insanely inconsistent the last couple years. And, you know, you got to show up all the time if you're going to be that guy. Like, they talk about the all-pro flashes he showed a couple years ago. And then you talk about, dude, you're missing 10, 15 tackles. You know, you're you're just not showing up at all in the pass game. So it's it's so hard to say. And obviously the caveat is if he's even brought back, which, you know, there's a question to to will that happen? Other than Savage, though, I'd say for the value you got in in Valentine as a what, sixth, seventh round corner, I forget which one. Um, the ability he showed to compete, to press, play different coverages, to blanket guys when he needed to, and, and you know be able to do that, being thrown in the fire mid season, and he played well in the bigger games when they, they needed guys to play well for the most part. I'd say that is a building block type guy. Could you maybe find something better if you take, you know, a third round corner or you get a, a veteran in free agency? Maybe. But for everything you got, a seventh round pick on a on a second year of a rookie deal, that's something you can build with, whether he's building as your, your number two corner to Jair or he's your third guy rotating in um, and making plays. But as of right now, those are the only two building blocks I'd say you have in the secondary. And I mean, the biggest thing is one of those is a question mark of if he'll even be there. Yeah. And I think that's why this is a good exercise to kind of do, because you can really pinpoint, because this is the first time we're talking about a positional group and it's like, okay, there's this, you know, this guy and then who, and I think that kind of speaks to just the lack of certainty in, in the secondary. I mean, the safety position, everyone knows like that. They need they have to add guys like they cannot go into the season with Zane Anderson and Anthony Johnson Jr. starting at safety like they just can't do that. And and I agree with you. I think Carrington Valentine is, is a building block type guy that you're excited about. Like, you, you know, he played really well his rookie year and he did a lot of stuff that I think make you kind of wonder, like, how the heck was this guy? a seventh round draft pick because he was like, mm-hmm. you look at, and I still wonder that because you watch his tape. A lot of people had him in this top one fifties, top one twenty five, And I think uh, he ran in the four threes. Like he worked out like a, like a maniac. His tape at, K- at Kentucky, the sec was good. 
was was plenty good enough to be drafted higher. So I, uh, you know, you they got a steal in him. I think they're excited about him. I think he's someone to be excited about for the future. But like you said, like hey, someone sitting there around one, two, three. They got five top one hundred picks. They could take a guy, and I I, I don't see a reason not to um, add competition there. Um, Eric Stokes is a really interesting one, just because. He, I mean, he's he's a cautionary tale of why, like, even with Carrington Valentine, yeah, promising rookie year, nothing's guaranteed in this league. And you hope Stokes can come back. Uh, but as of right now, I would say Stokes, like, I'd be happy, like, I would want him to be a backup. Like, that's kind of where I'm at with him. Um, he, he's been hurt. He's, you know, he was awesome. Fantastic his rookie year. But a lot of that was because he's just got that easy, easy speed where he can run four twos on the field. If that's gone, I don't know really what he is. And I think we're fixing to find out like what that is this season and he'll get his chances. And I, and I hope, I hope he's awesome. I hope he comes back from that. And, you know, he's the guy that flashed his rookie year and then they've got three outside corners that they can kind of rotate through. That'd be, you know, that's the dream, but we'll see. And then, you know, beyond that, Corey, Corey Ballantyne, I'd say he's a backup, right? Like he's someone that I think is a rosterable NFL player, but he's not someone I want starting for extended periods of time on my team. Uh, Keyshawn Nixon's a free agent. D- you know, Savage is a free agent. Rudy Ford's a free agent. I think Anthony. I think I do think Anthony Johnson Jr. is an exciting young player, but he's not someone I want to rely on um, to actually play. He's someone that you know you give him a chance. I think he's interesting because I talked about how the slot and safety is interchangeable. You know, he played corner for four years at Iowa State, then moved to safety for one year, so he's still kind of trying to figure that out. But I think you know he's someone that I hope gets a, a shot at kind of that slot spot, you know, place on this defense, and you know maybe he. Maybe he's exciting. Maybe he's not. I don't know. Chances are he's not because that's kind of just how it works with these guys. Um, but the secondary is is a little bit, you know, murky to say the least. Um, but also, according to to what to Dorf, that's the only spot they have a blue chip. <laughs> so, you know, let's uh, let's move on to. I think you can split these guys up now. Well, with this four three, let's talk about let's talk about off ball linebackers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, another spot that they're probably going to have to add to. I know everyone talks about the other, how often they're actually going to be in a base 4-3, probably not very much. Um, they're probably going to be playing, you know, 4-2 nickel, which is what most teams do nowadays. But even so, uh, I think, Trey, we've talked about Devondre Campbell. And at this point, I would I would label him as replaceable, like someone that you want to upgrade. Um, and Quay, I would put Quay in the camp of, uh, building blocks still. I think Quay still got a lot to figure out, but there's stuff to be excited about. Um, Isaiah McDuffie, I'd say backup. Like I'm fine with him being a backup on the team, but do I want him starting 17 games? No. Um, but maybe he surprises. I don't know. What are, uh, you know, I guess those are really the three. You got Eric Wilson as well, but I mean, Eric Wilson's a special teamer, but who in that group, I guess, you know, how would you stack those guys? I'd, I'd go the same way. Quay is a building block. Um, he's really their most moldable piece of clay, along with Van Ness, in terms of just what they turn into is going to be based on how that staff finds a way to get the most out of their skill set because they have skill sets that others don't have. Devondre, considering 
the production drop off, the injuries, the contract the last two years, all those things considered, right now he is replaceable. Um, you know, whether it's a, a mid-round or, or second, third, day two type draft pick who, who falls into that second linebacker role behind Quay, and then you have two young guys going that route, or, you know, you, you get a, a younger veteran to come in and compliment Quay in a, in a different way, he, he's replaceable. That's just a matter of fact, especially considering the cap situation. McDuffie, yeah, you, you're you okay with him starting maybe a couple games. You're okay with him being your third linebacker rotating in in those sub packages, um, but you really want him to be the backup. That, that gives you the most peace of mind with his situation, and everyone else will be considered replaceable. Um, you're, you're, you're looking to upgrade that room however you can, and that's the reality of it. Yeah, and I think – with all the – I mean, it's just crazy to think, like, they've spent how many draft picks on this defense? And here we are talking about – you know, it, and by draft picks, I mean, like, first-round draft picks on this defense. And here we are talking about, well, they need a safety. They need a corner. They need a linebacker. Like, they still need these things. And I, I get that you can't just have – you can't just have a blue chip everywhere or even, like, a high-level starter everywhere. Sometimes you have to make do with an Isaiah McDuffie in your starting lineup. And, you know, the good the good teams do. They figure that stuff out. But what I think is really interesting is is the front here. The, and we're just going to, I guess, classify them, you know, ends and tackles, right? Put them all in one category. Um, let's start with the, the ends. And uh, I've got – I want to hear your take on the defensive because I think this is one of the best talking points. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're – and let's let's talk about – we don't need to get too deep into the weeds because there's a bunch of them. But obviously there's Rashawn, Preston, Van Ness, Inigbare. And let's just go with those four. Where would you mm-hmm. where would you place those four? Man, um, I'll put it simple. Rashawn needs to be a blue chip. Um, contractually, where you drafted him, the roster you have assembled, he has to be one. Is he today? No, he's not. Um, outside of the Lions game, where you know, he came in and he was a blue chip on that day. That's what a blue chipper can do. But you can't do it once and then not have another sack for seven, eight games. Um, that's not what elite edge $100 million guys do. I mean, just, just run down the list of guys who are within one year of his draft class and what they're doing. You're talking about Max Crosby, TJ Watt, Bosa. Um, Miles Garrett, like the list goes on and on of got look at what Aiden Hutchinson is doing in Detroit. And I mean, to be frankly honest, yeah, Aiden was drafted higher, but I would think Rashawn has equally as lethal gifts to add to a team as a pass rusher. Um, but he has to show it all the time. Now, you know, is his first year off an injury? Is he probably going to come back even more comfortable than he was this past year? Probably, and then he probably inserts himself into that blue chip conversation because that's what you need. Um, and Lucas and Preston, both for very different reasons than Rashawn and also different reasons than each other, are building blocks, right? Like Preston, as the season went on, he played better and better, in my opinion. He made plays when, frankly, other edge rushers weren't making any. And 
that's what you need from a veteran guy who's going to be taking a ton of snaps. Um, he did what needed to be doing or be done, and he was a great piece for that defense when when he was on the field. Lucas is a building block. Again, much like Quay, that they have to mold him into what they want him to be. If that's be a lethal guy on second and third down in past situations, they got to find a way to get that out of him. If it's he's going to be an every down guy, they got to make sure they find a way for him to be as lethal and as productive in the run game as he is in the pass game. That's what you drafted in that high four, right? Like you don't draft what 15 or something like that um, to just be a, a rotational guy. You draft that guy to be a, a pro bowl, all pro level starter at at the end of that first uh, rookie deal. So those are, those are the building blocks. Um, Kingsley's the one who got hurt at the end of the season, yep. right? Yep. Unfortunately, man, between him and, and Eric, I've been through myself. Injuries suck. Um, but when you're already not that top-tier guy, any injury makes you replaceable. And yep. that's just that's just a matter of the business. Um, yep. And that's that's where I see the edge group. Uh, is you have some building blocks. You have one guy that needs to become above a building block, and the rest would be considered replaceable. Yeah, and I think you you almost took the words out of my mouth because that's what I was going to say about Rashawn is he better be. <laughs> they paid him to be one, exactly. and I think if you look at if you look at his first half of the year, I think he was like he was pushing that blue chip type, and that's his ability. Right. And I think I don't know what happened. I really don't know what happened the second half of the year. You'd have to ask him and the coaches, but it, it, he didn't look like the same guy. And it really kind of was after that Detroit game. He just you know had that huge game uh, where he took over. I mean, he just he won that game. That was that was the Rashawn Gary game and he just kind of disappeared. And, you know, and you saw you saw this year other blue like I would say Max Crosby is a blue chip type player. And you saw what he did versus Green Bay in that that Raiders game like he. He destroyed. He destroyed the Packers' offense single-handedly. Mm-hmm. I mean, quite literally by himself. Like, like they would highlight him just running through three blockers, not quitting, getting to the quarterback, disrupting everything, and that's that's what you want to see from a guy. And you want to see it more than once. And I think Rashawn can get that. He's as physically gifted as anyone in this league. Um, efforts not a not an issue. Um, Rashawn works harder than just about anyone in the NFL. Um, so whatever it is, you know, maybe that's even the issue is the guy doesn't know how to how to pace himself. I, I, I really don't know. I'm just speculating um, because he just wants to go 100 percent every single time he's on the field and coming off an ACL, which was kind of a late season ACL, too, for him two years ago. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do this next year. Uh, Van Ness, like you're right, he's building block type guy. Um, I don't know. I don't know if Van Ness can get to being a blue chip player. And I don't say mm-hmm. that because I don't think he can be really good. I'm just saying that because you you just listed, like just rattled off like five edge rushers in this league that are just bananas. And I don't I don't know if Van Ness can get to that level. And that's okay. Like I'm saying, that is okay. You can be a very, very good player and be a, a tier below those guys. I mean, Preston Smith is is a shining example of that. Preston Smith has never been a blue chip player. He's never been someone that you're like, oh, Preston Smith's one of the best 10 edge rushers in the league. No, but he's right below those guys. And right below those guys is still a really, really good player that makes a lot of money and every mm-hmm. team would love to have. 
And so I think Van Ness can be that as well for this team. Um, but also like Van Ness is, is very supremely gifted as well. Like, so I, I really don't know. I think he's, he's kind of a wild card for me that um, was a pleasant surprise for me as a rookie coming out of Iowa. Like you, you love the the physical tools that he had to work with. And you kind of had a feeling green Bay would take them because they just love to take guys like that, that haven't really developed. Um, so We'll see what him developing looks like. That'd be great if he could, if he could, you know, that there's a wild card for you this year. If you want to talk about how can this defense become, you know, worst to first, well, Rashawn Gary uh, is a blue chip player and Lucas Van Ness, you know, surprises us and makes a huge jump his, his second year while Preston can kind of maintain who he's been the last several years. Um, that would be huge for this team. Uh, I think you're right with Kingsley. I think I would say I would call Kingsley a backup. I'm comfortable with him as a backup, but you hit the nail on the head with injuries. Like, man, if he, he you talk about, you know, being supremely gifted and stuff, Kingsley just, he wasn't, you know, that's kind of why he fell in the draft. Like really good football player. You, you His tape at South Carolina was awesome. And mm-hmm. he was able to kind of translate that into the NFL. But man, if he loses some, any of that athletic ability, who knows? Who knows where he's at? Um, but so where, where are we at now? So we got Jair, we're saying blue chip. Rashawn, mm-hmm. we're saying should be, yeah. better be, can be. Um, and then I think for the interior defensive line, uh, I don't think Ke- Kenny Clark's not a blue chip interior defensive lineman. I think Kenny Clark is kind of like the Preston Smith of interior defensive linemen, like a notch below. I don't know if he's ever kind of, I don't know if he's ever really been in that category. Cause when I think like blue chip defensive tackles, I think Aaron Donald, I think Chris Jones, I think uh, Dexter Lawrence, I think Christian Wilkins, like guys like that Fletcher Cox at his prime, like Kenny's never been that guy, but he is definitely a building block. Really, really good football player. Um, Beyond him. I think Carl Brooks is an interesting discussion because you talk about physical tools and intangibles, all that stuff. He doesn't really have them, but he is really good, really good at football. Um, so I think those are the two guys, you know, that you can really focus on is like, Hey, you're building block guys. And maybe, maybe Carl Brooks can ascend to being, you know, one of those top five to eight interior pass rushers. Uh, Devonte Wyatt, who I just completely spaced off and didn't even think about, he probably, ha- which is crazy, Trey, because he, as far as you know, the tools and the intangibles, like he's got them. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like if he, if he could just, I mean, if he could just finish, if he could finish thirty three percent of the time, he, the guy would have had like eleven sacks last year. Yeah. So he's he's got no problem beating guards in front of him. It's just all the other stuff. But I think those are really the three guys you can focus on because. You know, Slayton is a nice player. He's he's fine. He's a backup. Uh, Colby Wooden is a wild card. I don't really know what to think about him. I don't even know where they're going to play him this year. Um, but of those three, kind of the big three in Brooks, Clark, and uh, Wyatt, how do you see those guys? So, to be honest, I would say <clears throat> excluding 2022 because I didn't, I didn't love – the lack of impact I saw from Kenny in 2022, I'd say prior to that and this year, 
he played like a blue chip interior. Now, this year, if we're talking five to eight, would he be eight? Probably. If we're talking prior to the ascension of Dexter Lawrence, Derek Brown, Christian Wilkins, Kenny, Kenny was that fourth or fifth. He was that guy right below Aaron, Chris Jones, Fletcher. As an interior guy, based on how he could impact the game run-wise and being an uh, interior pass rusher, he, he was that guy. And this year, talk about guys who came up in big moments playing from the inside. He made some plays where you're like, that's that's what we saw a couple of years ago, Kenny, just disrupting the whole game. Um, so I, I would give him blue chip. That would be the second guy who I'd say right now and as of last season was a was a blue chip type player. Um, I would put Brooks and, and Wyatt for sure as building blocks. Um, to be able to get the production in the limited amount of snaps that Brooks had, you got to just love that you got something there. Is it an every down type thing? Maybe, maybe not. But being able to get interior production as a pass rusher, especially when you're only playing situationally, that's just unlimited value. The value in being able to generate pass rush at all, that's what all teams want. And they found a guy who can do that as a as a baby. So that's a building block for sure, no matter how you look at what else he can or can't do. Um, and Wyatt, Wyatt is a building block who has he has blue chip traits. Um, finishing, he'd be a replaceable level level finisher. And that's yeah. like that that's why he'd be considered a building block. And that's why you haven't seen his snaps go up even more. And that's why you haven't seen him take off to that level that or, or just to be honest, he should he should be at. Um, because you see it. Like dudes can't do the things he does getting off guys from the inside at the rate that he does. He wins way too much to, like you said, not be a double-digit type set guy from the inside. Um, but all that being said, being able to do it at all, he's a piece that you can build with. Um, I'd agree with Slayton and Wooden. Those are backups. Um, you don't really know exactly where Wooden will fall into things, and you know that Slayton is serviceable and has been for, you know, consecutive years. Um, and that's something to have in the NFL, right? Like interior D-line is a position that's going to rotate more than any other. Those guys get tired. Pass rushing is hard, um, especially when you're doing it 100%. These teams running up tempo and doing all these different things. So, you know, that's that's where that group is at. And I'd say you're comfortable knowing that you have something with that group. You just want to see those guys that are in that middle area. You want to see them assert themselves into that top tier conversation. Or then you start talking about, all right, how do we, how do we take that next step with that room? When I think the, the whole point, you know, of doing the blue chip thing is a lot of people say, Hey, you need probably, six to eight blue chip players to be a championship caliber team. And so I think going through this exercise, kind of like looking at what we've gone through and saying like, okay, so right now guys that we think are like there, we've got Aaron Jones 
And then kind of every, I mean, honestly, all their blue chip guys have questions, right? Mm -hmm. Like Aaron Jones, he's, he's about to turn 29 or 30 yeah. running back. Jair seems to always be hurt. He's a blue, he's got blue chip potential. Rashawn, both of us said it, like he, he needs to be, and he can be. Um, and I'll give you Kenny Clark, like, cause I think he's a really good football player. So there's four guys right now that if the stars align, could be blue, your blue chip types. So where are the other three to four coming from? Are they on this roster right now? Maybe, maybe mm -hmm. not. Like, you know, we talked about on offense, Jordan could be a blue chipper. You know, there's five. Christian could be a blue chipper. There's six. You know, defensively, maybe Van Ness, maybe, maybe Wooden, or uh, uh, Brooks, maybe they can turn into those guys. But I think when you look at this team and you say like, okay, if this team can win a Super Bowl next year, like those, that's your core of guys that you need to step up. You need to have Jordan repeating what he did the second half of the season. We need to have Christian healthy doing what we've seen him do when he is. We need to have Aaron Jones stay healthy. Oh, Zach Tom's another one. So there's your seventh guy, right? Zach Tom just, I think Zach Tom is, is very close to knocking on the door of being one of the best right tackles in the league. Another mm -hmm. year, and I think he'll get the you know the recognition that he deserves. Um, there's another guy, you know. So there, your offensive guys are right there: Christian, Jordan, Aaron, Zach, and then you've got your, you know, could, could another blue chipper come out of that wide receiver group? Like, sure, I guess you know, like maybe Jaden Reed is a blue chipper if you just put him as a slot, you know, slot receiver, one of the best five slot receivers in the league. I could see that. T you know, Tucker and Luke. Could those guys become blue chip players at tight end? Maybe, you know, like that's the very, that's the exciting thing about this team is when you look at this team and you look at down the road, like how could this team potentially get over the hump? Like those are the guys that you have to look at. And honestly, the, the stars kind of have to align for them. They, you know, the thing about young players is progress is not always linear sometimes. And I would almost actually guarantee this. Well, some of these second year guys that we're talking about are not going to have the same type of are not going to have the second year that we expect them to have. I hope I hope all of them do. I hope all of them make huge jumps. But, you know, historically speaking, that's just probably not going to happen. So um, I think that's kind of your look at this 2024, 25 Green Bay Packers before free agency, before the draft, um, because as we know, really, really hard, nearly dang near impossible to get a blue chip player immediately in the draft. Um, and the blue chip players on free agents on the free agent market typically uh, don't come to green Bay because they can't afford them. So uh, it's, it is a draft and develop thing. Luckily for the Packers, they have, if, you know, if this were an MLB team with the farm system, you'd be really excited. You'd be really excited about the young talent they have mm -hmm. um, and hoping that it can all materialize at the same time. Like you look at, you look at the Kansas City Royals, like the 2018-7, whatever team won the World Series, they had all that young talent, and they all became good at the same time. And they were 90 feet away from winning two World Series. Like, that's what your hope for this Packers team is. Um, we will see. You know, next week we'll be back. Hopefully Dorf will be back with us next week. We'll be talking about the Underwear Olympics on here, um, who's – Whose, whose stock has shot up because someone that is fast ran fast. Um, and we count it twice, and it's the dumbest thing we do in the draft cycle. Um, yeah, but man. We, but, but we do it. So 
which is funny. You know, you watch a guy on tape, and you're like, oh, dang, he's fast. And then he runs fast, and you're like, oh, yeah, he's still – like, yeah, he's still fast. Yeah, like, he's, so, he's faster than I saw. Like, yeah, no. So it's, it's all part of the fun. It's part of the process, but it is uh, pretty pretty silly. Um, but we are out of time, um, so I have got to get out of here, Trey. We'll catch you next week. Um, we'll catch everyone back here next week, same place, same time. Until then, go Pack Go. Yes, sir. Thank you.